Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to 2021 Family Month. So we give God the glory for his faithfulness in our lives and the privilege to celebrate Family Month this year. I know by this time, like I say, the global pandemic was at its peak and we were unable to celebrate it. So we can all testify that everyone, irrespective of age, race, gender, rich or poor, faced different kinds of challenges. We know that lives were lost, health, relationships were affected, dreams were shattered, and the list goes on. People were affected spiritually, mentally, socially, economically, psychologically, and even spiritually. As people has a lot of questions based on the sufferings they were going through. From that period till now, our church life center material has dealt extensively with topics on anxiety, fear, worries, and many more. Tonight, our young children will like, our young adult children will like to educate us on what is going on in their world. And we do know that they have a world out there and how it affects their mental health, tying it up with their spiritual journeys. They've asked to be given an opportunity to speak openly and truthfully with all of us. The aim of this discussion is so that we can hear them, listen to them and acknowledge what they're telling us so that we as family can battle this common enemy called the battlefield of the mind. So as the global pandemic called COVID-19 continues, we must also notice or recognize the pandemic of pen, uh, mental and spiritual battles that many of our children and our adult loved ones are facing. So there are two parts to this discussion as we address the mental health with eight people speaking in total. Four people will speak tonight and four more will speak on the 15th. So based on that, we'll ask for you to please write any question or comment you have in the chat session. We'll all gather all of them together and respond to them on the last Thursday, which is the question and answer session. So we, I believe that this will bless each and every one of us, whether you're a child, you're old, you're young, you're a grandma, we, this will bless each and every one of us. Unfortunately, some of these problems, they begin as early as in elementary school and persist through adulthood. So I encourage all of us to keep an open mind and receive what our dear children are telling us with love and grace. So having said that, I'm going to introduce my panel tonight. Obinna Okani, Chiamaka Ananyo, Crystal Onyechi and Olufe Aderik. So, welcome our panel. I give it up to you. So, please give it up to them. So, guys, take it up. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, thank you, everyone, for joining the Family Forum conversation about mental health and its importance that it holds in the believer home uh, in the believer's home. Uh, 
like Dr. Happiness said, uh, this past year has taught us a lot about ourselves as young believers. And we hope that you receive our words um, through the guidance of the Holy Spirit with an open and understanding heart as we discuss. Um, there, during this conversation, we're going to um, explore topics such as perfectionism and expectations, um, communication, depression and anxiety, and, and separation and how that affects a child's development. To start off, I would like to introduce a working definition of mental health, not to get it confused with mental illness. So mental health defined by the World Health Organization is a state of well-being in which the individual realizes his or her own abilities can cope with the normal stresses of life and can work productively and fruitfully and is able to make a contribution to his or her community. Contrary to what um, many may think about our generation, there are a lot of trials and tribulations concerning the mind that counter previous you know, generations in the past, continuing with uh, an inundation with information and things like that. Now, I want to start off the conversation with um, what ways can life circumstances affect the development of a child and even into adulthood? So I'd love to hear from my lovely panelists here. Um, okay, uh, Obina, thank you so much for that beautiful introduction. And I will be speaking about how separation of the family actually affects the childhood development and actually, um, not only does it affect the childhood development, but can also trickle into adulthood. So separation of the family could stem from many places. Um, it could be a result of marital separation, death of a loved one, um, incarceration, foster care, and in my own case, um, immigration. And one thing I want to note that separation is not easy for any child and can have like a really long lasting impact if not addressed in the most caring and compassionate way. So the thing with separation is that the family dynamic is completely restructured because of the abrupt breaking of family bonds. So you know that as you grow up as a child, you know who your parents are, you know that they're your caretakers, you know that you can trust them, and you start to establish those relationships and they, they grow stronger. Now, when separation occurs, those relationships are completely abruptly broken. And depending on the age of the child, right, um, it can affect how they interact with the world mentally, emotionally, and physically. And it could also restructure the family dynamic where the older children take on more responsibility and that also speeds up their growth. So when you think about it, you have like a young child gaining a lot of responsibility. However, they don't have the emotional capacity at that time because they're still growing and learning about the world to handle the new situation. So there's a sort of a mismatch um, for simpler, a simpler way to describe it. So issues that may result from separation of the family, feelings of isolation, um, depression, shame, aggression, and anger due to the fact that it occurred at such a young age and they had no control over the situation. Um, some cases there's increased crying, there's anxiety, there's the inability to express or communicate with their peers because they feel like, 
or in some cases they feel like they can't communicate with their peers, that, that no one understands them, right? And that could also impact like school performance, um, which also affects um, like how they sleep and how they eat as well. So separation of a family, is, it's, it's something that's not usually talked about, but it's very impactful in the child's development. And that could really um, affect how they behave as adults. So that's my answer. Going based off um, what you were saying, um, I wanted to highlight just how um, kind of everyday things um, growing up can affect the child growing up um, into their adulthood. So something like communication, um, well, let's say a lack of communication, um, even at a young age, not explaining to a child um, what they were doing and why it was wrong, just saying, you know, just saying, oh, don't, don't do that. Like, no, you can't do that. You can't go there. You can't do this without giving proper explanation. Um, it just kind of teaches a child that they're not to communicate, really. And you can see this kind of affect their relationships, whether it's friendships, whether it's potential, um, like, romantic partners later on when they're ready to, you know, get married, um, whether it's even in the workplace and communicating um, things that aren't, like, don't help you and don't, um, don't help you thrive. It, it definitely stunts somebody growing up not to be able to, um, not to be able to communicate um, in an effective way. Um, another thing I wanted to discuss was um, just not addressing some of the things that kids go through when it's mm. school, whether it's, well, growing up in their, in their young environments, um, there's so much that they discuss, there's so much that they see. In this day and age, we have social media. So there's so many things that they're getting exposed to. And if you're not addressing what they're seeing and, and, and kind of debunking what they're, what they're seeing, because there, there's a whole bunch of different opinions going on on social media. Um, and that's kind of what they're taking in. That's what they're learning. A lot of kids aren't even capable um, of like fully understanding the word and fully understanding the promises that God, um, that God tell us. So they're getting their information. If they're not communicating with you, they're communicating with social media, with their friend that um, ha comes from an abusive home, like from, from the, the wrong crowd. Um, this can definitely affect them growing up. This can affect their um, self-esteem. Um, I'll, I'll get specific because I feel like um, growing up, especially as a Black woman, um, you just see a lot of negative things, whether it's just on the way that we look, um, whether it's just our attitudes or, or this, you just get, a, you just, you, you learn about yourself, your beauty, what you believe in yourself from social media. And sometimes there's just a lack of, like, there's just a lack of, like, that comfort or that, like, um, from home coming, like there's just a lack um, in the in the house from maybe your parents or just people around you, like justifying that you're beautiful, saying that you're smart, you're amazing, like you're just amazing, like just giving words of affirmation. And I feel like there's a lack of that, but like too much of a negative coming from social media and around. We all know that, you know, in this country we're a, we're a minority and they, they emphasize like, uh, white people, white women, white, um, white everything, or lighter skin, and I think that that definitely affects 
I'm, I'm sp speaking specifically on black women, um, black little girls, like they grow up and they don't feel beautiful. They don't feel like they can say that they don't feel like they're like they're being listened to that what they're saying matters. Um, and it takes a lot of unlearning and it takes a, it takes like finally seeing yourself as beautiful, uh, seeing seeing your features that they that they made fun of you for seeing it as beautiful um, to really be able to let go of what you've grown up believing in yourself and to really hold on to like the word of God that you're beautifully made um, and really walk in your in your in your fullness. Um, so yeah, that communication that that you that could have easily kind of helped somebody that was younger. You could have been you could have affirmed them, made them feel beautiful, made them feel worthy. And um, a lot of times, I feel like that's not happening, and it definitely translates when they grow older. Thanks, Crystal. Um, so I'm gonna talk about at least for me what I think really affected the way I ended up growing up as an adult, and that was just like um, just the dangers of expectations. Um, as I think, just as either immigrant children or just children that are born in an African household, there is this expectation of you to be excellent as, at school. You have to have the best manners you know, make really good friends. Like there was so much expectation, at least for me, it was, okay, you have to get the greatest grades at school. You know, whenever you see your aunties, you have to be sure to kneel down and greet them. There was like, you have to be perfect at everything that you do because there was a fear of one, uh, which is a valid thing, which is that like, you know, parents don't want their children to end up as mediocre or like not successful in society. And I do understand where that comes from, but it kind of also for us, it translates to like, oh, my parents are afraid of me embarrassing them outside. You know, there's always the, the parents like to brag about their kids. You know, my, my daughter's a doctor, my son is a this, my son is a that, and it's great. You know, I, I wanted to be a doctor, but I quit midway through, but that's, neither here nor there but it's really nice bragging rights for parents but it can in turn um, put a lot of pressure on your children it makes you feel like you always have to live up to these sometimes unrealistic expectations right and mm -hmm. it's you you kind of grow up into an adult and you still always are striving to be perfect because that is that expectation that has been placed on you you go at least for me when I would go to work I would have to put in way more effort that wasn't even needed because I was just so afraid of disappointing anyone, right? Even in things that I had no control over, the thought in my head is I don't want to disappoint my parents, right? So I was, when I wanted to change my major and not go to med school anymore, I was like, oh my God, my parents are going to be so embarrassed. They don't have a doctor in the family. Like, you know, my brother already went left and became an architect, which is not a thing that I can really talk about. <laughs> and I was, okay, so they're relying on the second. You got to be a doctor. You know, we've been talking about this as we came from Nigeria. Like, you know, when you go to the United States, you know, you're going to go to NGIT, you're going to study pre-med, and then you're going to graduate. You're going to go to Rutgers Medical School. It was just already, like, planned out. And... Um, I got to college. I was like, I really don't, I don't like this at all. Like, I don't, I don't want to be in the hospital. Never, ever, ever. Not at all. Whether it's being sick or treating people that are sick, I don't want to do it. But because like, I already knew that my parents had such high expectations of me, it took me so long to get to that place where I could make a decision that I felt that was right for me, even though I felt like I was going to disappoint my parents, right? So that um, expectation that parents place on their kids a lot of times prevents the kids from even doing things that make them happy because they're like, oh, 
when it comes either my happiness or my parents' happiness. And it's always like you feel the need to like choose the happiness of your parents because that's, you know, you you kind of raise feeling like you have to live for your parents, you know, like and anything you do is like, I want to make my parents proud. You know, remember your parents are Como, like I think your about people will say, like, um, like remember the daughter or son of who you are it's always like wrong into your head where like you can't go astray you can't do any of these things like if you make a mistake and you want to go home it's like oh my god my parents are going to kill me it's it just creates a fear and a barrier between you and your parents where there should be that um space where i can come on and be like mommy i messed up right you can't you don't have that space anymore because you know that your parents are not just going to see oh, a child that messed up what they see is this person this child is an embarrassment so instead mm -hmm. of building that relationship and that like um space of just like comfort in the home it just creates a home of isolation where you feel like all your parents ever tell you is how great you have to be they don't tell you it's okay to mess up they don't tell you that, you know, like Crystal was saying, like words of affirmation of like, okay, it's it's fine to be, you know, a painter if that's what you want to be. They don't tell you how like um, your desires matter. It's just, okay, this is what I want you to be in the future and this is what you're going to be. And those expectations just like, they start to shape the way you see yourself as an adult, where it starts to feel like your opinions, your desires, your happiness doesn't matter. It's okay. Is my boss happy with me? Great. I'm fine. Even if I am suffering in the job, as long as my boss is happy, that's great. You know, as long as I'm making money for the house, that's great. You know, as long as everyone else is happy, that's great. And you end up with a bunch of young adults my age who are struggling now to find their own happiness, who are struggling to be the people that they want to be because they've spent so much of their lives just trying to fulfill the expectations of parents, of families, and not trying to let anybody down. So for me, that was the biggest thing that framed the way I think. And it's now I'm kind of unlearning and just being like, you know, I'm going to live for myself. Like, it's fine if like my parents are a little disappointed, you know, I hope they're not, but if they are, it's fine as well, as long as I am making decisions that I, I feel like align with who I want to be as a person and what makes me happy as an adult. That's a, that's a really great point that everyone made. Um, I wanted to, to, to actually speak to something, Olufe, that you mentioned about, you know, happiness. And it kind of brought me to this question of like, you know, is it happiness or joy? Because I do think that more so when we're having this conversation, it's more so joy in what you do versus happiness. Because happiness is a feeling, it's fleeting. It's something that, you know, comes and goes. And if you're explaining that to a parent, like, hey, this is what makes me happy. Like, you know, you can be happy in doing it, but it's not going to help you along the way. Mm -hmm. So, like in understanding that from the perspective of the child, it's now, okay, understanding what is at stake, which is your life and your parents are the caretakers of said life. Mm -hmm. um, I think more so um, what's being emphasized is the joy that comes with the work that you're doing, but then you're also understanding that this is something that the Lord has given you insights into. It's not just something that you chose willy-nilly. It's not just something that you were just like, oh, I, I, I feel better doing this versus that. It's 
it's a it's less work versus because that's the perspective of of, of parents i don't want to speak on anybody's behalf but like mm -hmm. you know it's it just sounds very willy-nilly but like you know in nehemiah uh nehemiah 8 10 it says you know the joy of the lord is my strength you know so when you choose that work that um you know has brought you joy even in those moments where it's like oh i don't know you still have the joy of the lord in you to be able to do it you know and then it allows you to show your parents the fruit of that thing that you are doing. And it's almost like a reassurance for them to be able to like understand, okay, I see why now that this is, um, you know, the path that you chose. But I think that's something that, you know, both parents and children should have a conversation about in understanding what insight from the Lord have you been able to receive about the thing that you want to do? Um, and then Crystal and, and Chamaka, some of the, the, uh, the ideas that you've, you've put across about, you know, separation and anxiety and communication and all those things. I mean, I was just thinking it's, it's more of like a battle of identity and a, a battle of conditioning, you know? All of these things happen in the mind for a reason and that's why our minds are very important to god so i think that's why like you know this conversation is really very important because god cares about our minds he cares about our yeah. mental hygiene he cares about our identity because he wants us to find our identity in him you know and, and being able to, to to understand where our identity and our conditioning lies in so I, I guess as a follow-up question to, to everyone, uh, I wanted to find out more about how, you know, things that you've mentioned are, are things that really affect, you know, how you, you grew up and, and how you've been able to adapt work, relationships, things like that. You know, how can believers like support each other? Like, how can we be able to, you know, help each other out in these situations where you may feel like nobody understands us? Um, that's a great question. So one of the things, like, I've, as I was self-reflecting, um, as I was preparing, I think one thing that really impacted me um, is community and loving in action. So loving in action, not just in words, saying that, oh, I love you, uh, good day, good morning, but actually tangibly reaching out to people, checking in on people, sacrificing your time. Because there's so many people that really poured into my life growing up. They would take me to school. I went to a boarding school two hours away in high school. Um, they would call on, um, they, would, they, they would meet with me and speak life into me and speak those words of affirmation so that it's easier, um, though it was difficult at the time, but it's easier to continue to press on. So that um, community really taught me, being in a loving community really taught me how to love other people as well. And one thing that I've learned in loving in action, sometimes it requires you to be still and listen. So in terms of like relating with my friends um, or even relating with my family, I know like I'm the fixer. I love to fix things. And people on the production team, they, they're probably rolling their eyes and agreeing. Yes. Like I love to fix things. 
But there are some times that you really just have to stay, stay still and listen and wait on God to give you the answer and also listen to the person that is talking to you. Don't try to fix them immediately, but prayerfully um, speak with God and just approach, like prayerfully think of, you know, communicate with God and communicate with the spirit to approach this person in love. So that's what I mean by like love and action, stepping out and also being still and listen. I would say that um, I'm, I've learned to reach out to people and see what they need, what they, how, how they accept love. Because um, personally, I'm, I'm somebody, I'm, I'm more of a hands-off person. I've, I think it's because I'm an only girl in my family. So I, I've like, you know, I spend a lot of time by myself. So I like, I like alone time. I'm, I, I love it, honestly. <laughs> and sometimes like when I'm going through things, I tend to isolate and like, I don't even realize it, but I do. Um, and then, you know, I realize, okay, this is wrong. And then I have to get around like people and, and do all that. Um, but I just realized I, I have to, I had to realize that that's not how other people um, navigate. That's not how other people need me. Um, that's not how they, that's what, not what they need from me. I've had friends who have um, come to me and said, oh, I didn't feel like you were here for me during this time. And mind you, I thought I was giving them space. You know, I, I was checking in once in a while, but I thought I was giving them space the same way that I would want space in that, in that moment. Um, so it, it was an, an unlearning and realizing that every single person needs something different and communicating um, what that what you need to that person, or even being that friend and, and asking somebody what they need from you um, can really just eliminate um, confusion, can eliminate like just just not not like not making sense, not not going together. I'm not sure how to say it, but um, it just eliminates that um, that happening. So. Um, what what I do now is like I go to my friends and I you know I ask them what they what they need from me, um, if they need me to be more present, if they need me to um, check in from time to time, call them here and then, if they need me to back up. I have I literally have friends and that 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 really require like so much different things, um, and so that's what I have to. That's I've just learned that everyone is different, um, and. It's, it's, it's just being able to admit when you're wrong, um, when it comes to how you, when you're dealing with people. Um, I think that that is obviously humility, but it shows people that you're willing to learn that, you know, it was an honest mistake and that um, they are more open to um, giving you another chance, you know, being more open with you, as opposed to you kind of being like, oh, that's just the way I am, you know, um, like owning, owning when you're wrong, owning when you need to change and grow. Um, yeah. Um, so for me, I would say my, um, anyone that knows me, my biggest community is my family. Um, they are my closest friends in the whole world. So I, I would say when I say when I'm coming from a place of community, I'm just gonna speak on how like a family can support someone during periods of their lives, right? So I'm just gonna give an example. I'm not, I'm not gonna go too specific, but um, so two years ago, I would say I probably went through what I would consider the hardest time of my life. Like I 
like I've, if I, there was any point where I had considered, you know what, I probably need to take myself into a mental institution, it would have been then because I found myself like I would be crying on my way to work, get to work, put on a smile, do my work, cry on my way back home. It was days of like paralyzing fear. And I would say that like when people will say like fear, fear can be paralyzing, I never understood it until that moment. It's like you're facing a period where it's just like, I didn't know what my future held. And I just felt like I was, I felt like I was dying under the weight of just, I don't know what future is gonna be like for me. Right. And um, in that moment, surprisingly, my family was the only person I could turn to because I, I thought like, you know, I had really close friends. I felt like they were the people I was going to turn to. But in that moment, it was like my parents, my siblings. Like, um, I remember my dad had made a comment to me one day. He was like, oh, if you want me to fly to America today, I will fly there if it's just to give you a hug. And it just for me was like, how like, he could have just been like, you know, it's going to be okay, you know, it's fine. But like the fact that he was willing to show up in whatever way I needed him to show up to me, just, it was just like, this is what, this is what support looks like. This is what, like, he didn't have a solution to what I was going through. Like he couldn't fix it, even if he tried, but he wasn't trying to fix me. Like Chiamaka said, he was just like there and being like, okay, I will listen. I may not have the answer, but I will listen. And I feel like that's one of the biggest support things that like anyone can provide to another human being is just being there to listen, right? You don't have to have the answer. You're, and again, you're not listening to provide a solution, right? Because I think a lot of us, like you listen and in your head, you're just thinking about, okay, what do I want to say to this person when they're done talking, right? But it's about you just sitting, don't think about anything but what that person is saying to you. And granted, if God tells you something to say to them, that's great. But don't listen with the intention of speaking back. Just listen with the intention of just being there for that person to share their burdens. Because a lot of the times, and like, I think um, parents as well, I mean, obviously I'm not a parent, but I'm just assuming this is what sometimes you guys might be thinking. It's like, you know, I want to help them. I want to fix the solution. So you're there telling us, okay, I come to you and I say, oh, you know, I'm failing my classes. Your response is, okay, you need to study more. You need to do this. You need to do that. You haven't ever heard why, failing you don't know whether it's because like I can't concentrate in class because somebody's bullying me all the time or like you haven't listened to the why before you created a solution in your mind right so I feel I feel like the way we as believers as a family can support each other when we're going through tough times is just being there to listen and pay attention right pay attention to the words that the person is speaking to you don't assume that you know what somebody's going through right even if you've been through a similar situation right okay yes I filled my class two when I was in seventh grade. Okay, but it's different. You're not me and I'm not you, right? So don't assume you know everything. Just be willing to listen and pay attention. And um, another thing that like my community, which is my family really helped, because I have a family of strong spiritual people, was the fact that they didn't, they didn't throw the Bible in my face, right? They weren't like, oh, Lulu, I'll be sad. Because there were moments where I was just like, you know what? I don't really feel like God has my best interests at heart. Like I... That was like, that was a statement I was telling to everyone that was around me. I was like, I just don't feel like God loves me if this is the, this is the situation right now. But my, my dad is a pastor. My mom is a pastor. They were not like, oh, the Bible says, like, you know, they weren't doing all of that, right? Even though they knew it, but they knew that inside me, I had the word of God. So I would find my way back. So they weren't using the Bible to dismiss me. They weren't being like, oh, Lulu, you're so weak in faith, da, 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 da. Oh, you have to grow stronger. You have to pray. You have to do this. They listened. And when it was appropriate, they spoke the word of God to me 
because they knew that in that moment, after you listen to me, I'm able to be receptive to what you're telling me. But if you don't listen, I'm not receptive. I'm like, this person doesn't even hear what I'm saying. So why should I listen to you? Right. So listen, pay attention and don't use the Bible. Don't use scriptures to dismiss your children, to dismiss your friends, just because you feel I think I feel like it's a thing of pride to use the word of God as a dismissive tool, because the word of God is there to encourage, it's there to correct, it's there to comfort. But if you're not using it the right way, and if you're not using it under the inspiration of the spirit, the words that you're speaking don't mean anything, and they could eventually be portrayed as something different. So before you speak, make sure that you, the Holy Spirit is actually telling you to speak that because the words can lose their meaning and their power because you're not even using it in the moments that you're supposed to be using it, right? So that's just my little um, thing. Sorry for my thing. No, I actually, um, I really appreciate like what you were saying. I really hope it doesn't go over people's head because um, I feel like like sometimes, especially our, like our spiritual we we're, we go to a church. We we've all grown up in the church. Um, our parents can sometimes turn into Pastor Emmanuel when you're going through a problem, and they'll start preaching to you. They'll start they'll they'll sh they'll show you um different <laughs> verses in the Bible. Like it's great. It's amazing. That's awesome. Like, but you have to trust that you raised me as a as a Christian. You raised me in the church that um that I know that God is my foundation, and I will. And that I, that I know that I know his promises and I know that I can lean on them. But in this moment, like it's not, I'm not receiving, I, I, it's, it's not transferring. Like what I know in the Bible, it's not transferring. And like, I, sometimes I just want, if not just to listen, sometimes I just want you to be real about mm -hmm. like what you went through. If you went through a similar thing, um, after, of course, like you said, after fully listening to me so that you don't cut me off, not even knowing what I'm saying, but, um, just, just being, just being real, you know, saying like, I completely understand what you're going through. Um, that sucks. Sometimes, you know, I don't even want you to tell me, oh, you know, long story, just, just agree that the situation sucks, that it's the worst. <laughs> like, wow. I, I, I wish better for you like I hope you figure it out you know what I'm saying like and of course as a parent you can still pray for your child still like still um whatever like you said like when you pray the the spirit um reveals passages or just something to say to that person later on but just not in that moment because it doesn't feel genuine um so I, I definitely like a real, just, just a real answer. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. And, and if we... I'm coming to you, so, oh, okay. Let me just say this one thing. Sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. If you, if, and, and like, if I'm going through something that may be disappointing to you, um, just like, I guess it's, it's just all about, how, it's just all about how you address them because if you go off the handles, like, what are you doing? I'm so disappointed in you. You're the, like, you like all this stuff. Then you expect that person to now come to you again, you know, when they're going through something. I get that there's levels to certain things that you do. Maybe you did something like that was really bad and does, and does, you know, it's just gonna, it's gonna require that kind of reaction. But if certain situations that, you know, I just want you to like 
understand me because I know you had you, you everybody we were all young once and we all went through things that we're not proud of so let's not act like we're so far better and beyond who you are just be humble like I, yeah you were just like me when you grew up you did some similar things you probably did worse things so maybe instead of like going off the handles you know you can calm down if you can't calm down in that moment walk away come back when you're good I, that's just me that's, that's just what I'm saying what were you gonna say Shimaka? I was going to say, like, can we be real for a second? Because there'll be some cases where our parents really don't understand um, and they'll try their best because I know like with I can bring my parents for an, as an example. We grew up in different cultures. Right. And there'll be things that bother me that they wouldn't understand. Um, but one thing that like I really appreciate is, OK, acknowledging that you don't understand, but also acknowledging that I'm here for you. So yes, you're going through this. I don't quite understand what you're going through, but I'm here for you. And, I, and when you're ready to talk, I'm here, I'm available. Because one thing I know for me specifically, um, accessibility is a big thing to me. Like I wanna be able to speak to my parents and have a relationship with my parents and actually dialogue with them. Um, and they've seen it. And that's how like our relationship has grown. Like we, we understand that um, you provide and parents you do a great job of provision like a plus on provision but in the same respect we want accessibility um we want you to be there even when you don't understand just like physically be there and um be available and not be so quick to you know shoot five solutions and 17 references and calling people as well you know like we just want you to be there <laughs> So that's uh, one thing I wanted to throw in, in perspective that your parents won't understand all the time, but in the same case, like, just please be accessible. Oh, for sure. That, those, those were really great points. I mean, and I just liken our relationships to, you know, our relationship with, with God. Like, you know, there are moments where God is probably looking at, down at us, like, why, why did you do that? <laughs> you know? but with the loving, you know, guidance, like those, those are the things that like make the world, like that's, that's the, that's, that's the difference. Yeah. Right? And we're, we're all called to, to live the life of love um, and, and being able to understand. And, and I guess this, this next question, um, I just wanted to, you know, get a quick response from it, but like, you know, if, if, if there's a parent that's just sitting here right now, right? And they're thinking, ah, I made some mistakes, right? <laughs> um, what then would you advise, like what, what then would you say would be, I would say two solutions or two like, two things that you would say that would help um, in guiding them in the right direction with their, with their children? Um, two things guide you in the right direction. Um, well, I think it's just, it starts with you one, before you go to your child and try to rectify, I would say, take a minute to yourself to try to understand, okay, what, what do I think my shortcomings were, right? Because we can be saying a lot of these things and maybe, honestly, maybe not all of them apply to you. Maybe you've been a great communicator to your children or whatever. You need to actually assess where you feel like your shortcomings are and assess who your children are or who your child is, right? 
you've watched this child grow up. So you've seen a lot of habits, you've seen a lot of things, right? Because that's what you can't, every child is different. So the way you will approach it is different. So I can't just yeah. be like, yeah. because for me, right? If you come into my room and it's like, you know what? Let me take you to the movies. I'm already sold. You know what I mean? I'm going with you and I'm going to talk to you regardless. Cause that's just who I am. But some, some people already have so much deep rooted like trauma of just like, you know what? My parents, they're not it. So if you try that approach, they'll close the door and tell you to just leave. You know what I mean? So you have to assess what you think your your problem is and what you want to do to fix it, right? And not, I, I always hear when people are like, oh, just pray. But yeah, you have to start there, right? Be like, uh, there's a wisdom that it takes to build bridges, right? It's not, it says in the Bible, and I know this is probably not why it was said, but it says that, you know, the builders labor in vain. They that build if they're not building with God, right? It's if you start, you're trying to build that bridge, but you don't know how to go about it. Because honestly, if you knew how to be a perfect parent, you would be a perfect parent. But the reason why we're in this situation is because, to be honest, we've come to realize as young adults now that you don't know how to be a parent. There's no handbook on how to be a parent. You know, I was telling my friends a couple of days ago, I'm like, I'm afraid to be a parent because I feel like I would do some crazy things. That I, <laughs> I mean, this is another human being that you were given the responsibility of. So we understand that you've messed up. So go to God, who's an expert parent, right? And be like, God, this is this child that you've given me is, is your child as well. You know how best to connect because God has been doing a great job of connecting with us for a long time, right? So he knows how to reach that child. And he'll tell you how, because like, I wish I could tell you the step one, do this, step two, do this, step three, do this. But you have to be, but if there's one thing I'll say, you have to be intentional about it, right? It can't just be something that just comes up passively. Like you have to be intentional about, I want to reach my child. I want to have a better relationship with her or him. I want to be there for them through their life seasons because it's kind of hard when you haven't been there for a child, but somehow when they grow up, you just expect this magical relationship to come up, right? And you know, you're like, oh, why is why does my daughter not think I'm her best friend? I'm like, of course you're not my best friend. Do you know what I mean? Like you don't know anything about me. So it's you have to you have to be intentional about saying, like, okay, God, I want to get to know this person. And then be intentional about talking to your child and saying, you know what, I know I messed up. Like Crystal said, it's okay to admit that you were wrong, right? Just tell me, I know, I know, you know. I wasn't there, you know, you're, you're 30 years old now, and I wasn't there for the past 30 years, but that's okay, you know, and children see the intentions, right, there is, I, like, I don't think I've met anyone that has ever been like, you know what, my parents want to be in my life, but no, I will never, unless, you know, you've done some traumatic things to your kids, then I can't, I can't speak to that, but they see your heart, and they will be receptive, especially if you have God going with you, so that's what I would say, just Think about what you really want to achieve with that relationship with your child, pray about it, and then be intentional about the steps that you take. Don't just do it passively. And don't, so like if they, if your child says no the first time, you gotta be, you gotta be persistent. You know what I mean? Like you can't, don't stop because you got shut down once, right? But think about it. They've been getting shut down for the past 20 years. So you just got one. So keep going, keep going until you knock down those walls. That's what I think, at least. I would say, um, after admitting that you're wrong and apologizing and stuff, um, changed behavior is the best um, way for for me to um, see that you are actually you are actually sorry and that you actually um, <laughs> you actually um, want to work to improve. Um, 
when something happens between like maybe a fight or something happened that's wrong um and then the next day it's an apology okay awesome great and then a week later it's like another interaction that was very similar to what that was it just shows that person that okay you're not really putting in the work to change um you it's i mean without saying that it's manipulation it's almost as if you are just saying sorry to say that okay i've said sorry you know what i'm saying and then let me all righteousness exactly like let's move on like you know i've said i've said sorry so i'm i'm good i'm i'm my conscience is clear like but but you're not putting in that work to to really make sure that the relationship is growing and building from that point um, I'm not saying that you're going to be a perfect person from that point. You, you might backslide here once, once or once or twice, here and there. But when when you like move on, even, look at yourself. Like if you do something bad, and you're trying to grow from that moment, yeah, you might you might go back and forth and and act before you actually fully move past that. But you have to fully eventually fully move past it. It's not just like oh, I'm chilling here. I, I, I sometimes I messed up and do that those wrong things. That's that that happens once in a while. But like you like that person has to see that look, I've that's who I was. I'm not that person anymore. Sometimes I mess up, but that's not who I am. And they need to know and see it to know that that's not who you are. So change behavior really is 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 really how you're going to really get your child to trust you and trust themselves to be vulnerable with you because um I know that if it if it if it if it's continuous if it keeps happening they're just they're not going to want to open up to you they're going to be shut down they're not going to want to connect with you because they're just waiting for the next time you go off again they're just like, I, I'm sure it's going to happen soon. Like, and then we're going to give you back to square one again. Like, if you want to really have your child trust you and believe that um, you're a changed person, that you genuinely think what you did was wrong, just, just change. I mean, you all pretty much covered it. So that's pretty much my responses admit it admit that you messed up um and actually admit it start if you have young children start admitting it if you you're not admitting it already um so that they're in the habit of also admitting their faults and that they're not like their whole world is not crushed that their parents are not perfect 20 years down the line um when you admit that okay i did mess up when you reconcile since we are in the ministry of reconciliation right jesus reconciled us to god in the same respect we reconcile unto each other regardless of whether you're a parent or a child we're reconciling as a family so when parents start that habit early um children especially with young children young children are able to reciprocate that because you know young children mirror what um their parents do um and then for the older adults like you all said it's gonna be hard, to be honest. I'm not gonna, we're saying all these things. It might be difficult. You might have messed up for a long time, um, but don't be discouraged. And in the same respect for the child, um, if you see that your parent is trying, try to open up a little bit. You might get hurt, but just try to open up. Um, yeah, that's it. That's all I have. Okay, cool. I mean, really great contributions. Um, <clears throat> The last question is, um, you know, what is one thing you wish you learned earlier in your mental health journey? All right, um, I can kick this one off. So one thing I wish I learned earlier in my mental health journey 
that um, seeking professional counseling is nothing to be ashamed of. And it's actually an option that you can prayerfully consider. So yeah. given my upbringing, it's completely rare. Well, it's rare in my case, like in my circle of friends. And I learned, like, as I was growing up, I noticed that certain behaviors that I would carry and it would affect the way that I interacted with my friends and even with my family. So um, in that journey, I was wondering, you know, is it okay if I go to a counselor? Like, do I not have enough faith? And I was standing on the word of God, but I noticed something. It was like very apparent that the way I interacted with my peers, it, that it didn't make sense. It wasn't adding up. So um, I remember going to a fellow believer and someone that fellow believer told me, hey, well, you should go if you have enough faith. Um, and that discouraged me from going. That continued that fight until I actually was real with God and told God, I said, God, this is what I'm dealing with. I was real with him and said, like, this stinks. This sucks. I don't like this. And I don't like how I'm behaving. And I think therapy would be the right um, route to go. But I want to do it if you approve of it. And I want to go to the best person you picked for me. So I actually did my research. Um, people don't tell you it's a lot of research. There's a lot of pre-work before you actually go. Uh, it's a lot of research. You're actually in more control than you think. It's not mind control. Um, and I actually ended up finding a really amazing Christian health counselor. And God used her to really um, showcase the things that I've suppressed as a child, right? And I've, I've kept as a child to actually surrender over to God. And I could say, and I can confidently say without any shame that I'm a more healthy, emotionally healthy person today. And um, for anyone who's out there considering it, I think that that's something you should prayerfully consider and not be ashamed of even considering it as an option. Um, so that's one thing I wish I learned earlier is to not be ashamed of professional counseling. Yeah, um, I've actually played around with the thought of going to um, therapy for actually like years now. And I've never done it because of that pre-work, like I feel like it's gonna be hard to find somebody that truly understands me. And, I, and it's easy to talk to um, somebody that can really help me on my journey and the different things that I feel like I need help with. Um, so it's definitely something that I feel like I'm definitely going to eventually do. Just like hearing so many people like saying that it, 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 it's so such a positive thing in their life. Um, and growing up, yeah, we just didn't think that that was an option. We thought that that was for people who were going through like crazy stuff or, you know, grief, maybe, um, like people that are couples that are going on the brink of divorce. Like you just instead, but like now I understand that marriage counseling is more like of a preventative thing. Like it's, it's for people that are in very healthy and happy relationships to enter into and like to be consistent with, because it'll just only help you guys and help you guys communicate throughout the relationship. So there's definitely a stigma on therapy, counseling, and all of that, mm -hmm. and I've definitely, like, grown, growing up, um, now that I'm grown, like, I know that that's something that's definitely going to be a part of my future, um, but I would say I would change, um, or, you know, knowing, being grown and knowing what I know now, um, growing up, I was, you know, I, I, I had anxiety, um, I had just, like, I was just, like, um, what's the word I just was I had low self-esteem and um that's why earlier in the conversation I definitely wanted to highlight um what black people but specifically black women go through um on a day-to-day -day, just feeling that they're not attractive feeling ugly um and 
for me, like I, it, it for, for me, it took growing up, um, seeing how the whole world wants to look like us, but they don't want to be black. Um, and feeling like, okay, th th that was, that was like, that was on a, on a very, like, on a very superficial level, you know? Um, and then I had to realize, okay, God made me beautiful. Like regardless in, in all the, in all the um, stages of my life, <laughs> when, whether, um, I, you know, after having kids and my body doesn't look the same that it's always looked like, whether I'm, I grow old and I'm 70, I have wrinkles and things aren't sitting the way they were sitting before. Um, I still have to believe that I'm beautiful in all those stages in my life. Um, so, so knowing that and knowing that on a spiritual level, but also just not, um, not giving in to what people say about you. Like I truly feel beautiful. Like I feel like I'm a beautiful woman, um, but I definitely did not feel that way growing up. Um, there's even sometimes that, you know, your mind just kind of takes you there and makes you feel that way just because, you know, you're having a low day. You're not feeling cute when you, when you wake up. And I remember those low moments that I felt that way. And I guess I would just say to all young black women is that you're beautiful, your hair texture is beautiful, your skin is dark and beautiful. Like everything is just beautiful about you. Like this world will do everything to make you feel ugly, do everything to make you feel like you're not, you know, you're not worth anything that you're, nothing that you, you have nothing to offer. You're not smart. Um, that people don't are not gonna love you, and um, that's just all lies, all lies to make you feel less. You know how people bully you when, like, people try to bring you down when you're above them. Like that's that's what it is. Like they're trying to make you feel less than um, when you're just amazing. So um, that's what I would want to like my younger self to know. Um, and if you're dealing with things like anxiety and depression, um, don't feel like because you're young that your feelings aren't justified, that your sadness isn't justified. People will try to say, oh, like, what would you have to be worried about? You don't even pay bills. Um, there's so much to be, um, there's so much in this world, especially in this day and age, 21st century, social media and everything to feel down about. There's so many, there's so many different factors, different opinions coming from everywhere. And when you're growing up, you're not even fully secure in yourself. You don't know who you are. Um, so you're listening to what people are telling you about yourself, and it's so easy to fall into those traps um, and to get depressed. There's a lot of young people that are committing suicide. Um, it's like one of the leading causes of death in young in young people um, from the ages of 10 to 24. So it's you're not you're not crazy. You your your feelings are justified, and if you need to speak to somebody, speak to somebody. If it's not your parent, if you if it if it's not your parents, because sometimes it's just not going to be them. Um, speak to school counselors, um, look into therapy. I mean, sometimes you're too young to really do that on your own, but um, speak to somebody, even if it's in the church, um, reach out, like, don't let those feelings engulf you until you, until it's too late. Really, that's what I would say. Um, thanks, Crystal, for calling us beautiful. It really made me smile at that specific moment. <laughs> um oh, beautiful. <laughs> one thing, thank you. Thank you, Abina. Um, one thing that I would say I wish I knew earlier on in my uh, mental health journey would be that it's okay to not be perfect. Um, and I think for me, which is why I talked about it earlier, it's it's been kind of like the rhythm of my life. I always felt like I had to be, you know, the perfect daughter, the perfect friend the perfect student, the perfect leader, the perfect everything. If I'm singing, it has to be perfect. If I'm getting, like everything I do has to be perfect. 
And um, I realized that, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to be perfect. It's hard to keep up with all of these things. And um, I would never want anyone to see me in a place where I wasn't, you know, my best. I like, even like my friends, like my, my siblings would say like, they never ever saw me cry in my life up until two years ago, that is, because I was just, you know, I'm a thug, I don't cry, I don't do all that, that's, no. Mm -hmm. So like, I always just felt like I had to hold everything together. I had to, I just had to be the perfect everything, you know, and there was one time we were having a youth lock-in and they had asked, they were like, oh, is there anything that you want to say? And I remember I was just like, you know, it's kind of hard being the president of the youth because everyone holds you on a pedestal. Like parents are like, you know, that girl, she's got out bold, you know, she's always doing things for God. Da -da -da. You know, youths are coming to you like, you know, I need, I need counseling. I was like, bro, me, Seth, I need counseling. You know what I mean? And like, it's just, it's such an added pressure of just being like the, the person that people are putting on that pedestal and you put yourself on this pedestal as well. And like the weight becomes too much sometimes. And in your attempt to not let people see you break down, you internalize all those pressures, you internalize everything and inside your sorry to use such a hard word inside you're dying but nobody can see that because you're trying to maintain this perfect image and that would be what I would tell myself like it's okay to break down it's okay to not be perfect it's okay to mess up sometimes it's okay to not you know it's okay to be like you know what I'm tired of being president which I did at some point but like it's okay to admit to yourself when you're exhausted it's okay to admit to yourself when you're tired you know like my mom will say like you know my daughter likes enjoyment because these days when I tell her you know what I'm going on a vacation because my work is stressing me out and I'm tired. I'm leaving. I'm going up. And she's like, ah, you people in your generation, you just like to leave things and just go. And I'm like, yes, because I have to take these little pockets, like this moment to just to myself and reconnect with myself and tell myself like, okay, let's relax. Let's chill. You know what I mean? So it's just like, I would just tell myself, it's okay to break down. It's okay to be tired. It's okay to be exhausted because, um, the weight of the things that we have to go through fighting the voices in your head sometimes is the hardest battle you have to fight trying to like tell yourself like crystal so that you're beautiful trying to tell yourself that you're worth it is sometimes the hardest battle you have to you have to fight that's why we have to like guard our minds and guard our hearts because like that's the first place that's the first place any attack is going to come is from your mind because it's like you're fighting against yourself every time so it's, it's it, I would say it's almost easier to fight against somebody that you can see but when it's your own mind it's like bro what do I do and it's like you feel like you're going crazy so it's okay to take breaks it's okay to break down it's okay to be tired it's okay to tell your parents you know mommy I want to take a semester of college you know I will be fine I'm going to live life for 90 years I will be fine even if I took a semester off school it's okay to you know just not be able to handle all the responsibility and it's okay to talk to people about that so that would be what I would tell myself that, you know, Lulu, it's okay to break down. It's okay to not be perfect. You have your whole life. You'll be all right. Like I promise. And now I just feel like I, I am enjoying myself. I'm telling people like 2021 is the best year that I've ever had in my life because um, <laughs> you can't tell me nothing. Okay. Lulu first, I will enjoy myself and just be happy. Well, like Abena said, be joyful. But I also feel like being happy is a, is a nice thing. You know, those happy, little, happiness like, is, it, happiness yeah, comes with joy. Feeling. Yeah, it's, it's okay, you know, sipping 
apple cider on the beach. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you said the vacation thing. And I'm hoping my parents heard you <laughs> because I don't know. Their generation is just against they don't vacation. Like to break. Uh, they don't they don't like taking breaks. They don't like seeing the world. I'm just like, uh, just the, most hey, like the, things, biggest, the best stress reliever. Like no, yeah, like, take a break. Go on vacation. Yeah. Okay. I characters here just take a vacation just yeah drop it all and go be honest so if i come back you're gonna be so refreshed oh my god i would say vacationing is a part of mental health i'd I, right. like to say that yeah so i actually have a follow-up question because i know we're like running low on time like um you all were talking about vacationing and other ways to like improve or maintain your mental health like can you share for those who are you know, who don't really believe in rest. Um, how how exactly do you maintain your mental health? I, uh, like, vacation is something I just recently started doing. And the reason why is because, like, I figured out being in the environment, being in New Jersey stresses me out. Because for me, New Jersey is synonymous with responsibility. This is where my job is. This is where Rise of Generation is. This is where my family is. This is where my side business is. This is where everything that, causes me stress is it's also where everything I love is don't get me wrong but it also causes me stress so I feel like I physically have to pull away from things mm -hmm. like that just to like mentally calm down and sometimes as well like I check myself into a hotel that's just right around the corner I just sleep there for the day because I'm like I don't want to go home I just want to chill out um, I also like hang out with my friends quite a bit in a very non-stressful way we're not going on roller coasters we just like go to the park just chill out because I feel like taking a moment where you're not thinking about all the three billion things that you have to do. You're not thinking about your bills. You're not thinking about, you know, this friend that you fought with yesterday. You're not thinking about your boss that's emailing you 20 times before 8 a.m. in the morning. Like you're not thinking about any of those things. Just you're taking the time to focus on you and say, like, what do I need right now? It's showing up and just being present for yourself and being in touch with yourself and saying, like, let's forget the world, right? Let's forget. And I know, you know, with parents, it's kind of hard because you have kids. If you have young kids, you can't just forget everything. But like, take a moment, maybe tell, you know, your husband, husband, I'll be right back. I'm just take two days out from myself to, to just take care of me. Because if you are your best self, then you can show up and be a good person to the rest of the world. But if you're struggling inside, you can never give your best to people. Like, because if, if inside Lulu's good, then that's the best version of me for the world. Like I can, I can be the good friend. I can be a good daughter. I can be a good coworker. But if I'm struggling, then that's when I'm going to act out as a daughter. That's when I'm not going to show up at work and be the best version of myself. That's when my friends are going to be like, what's going on with Lulu? She's just so irritable all the time. So it's understanding that when you prioritize being healthy mentally as a person, you can be the best version of yourself even for everybody else. Okay, awesome. Um, I, I mean, great contribution, everyone. I just wanted to, you know, first um, kind of clarify, you know, we've, we spoke about like, you know, counseling and, and therapy and, and those types of things. Like, I just want to clear up what those like, you know, what that entails and, and kind of open your, you know, uh, open your understanding to it. So, um, you know, a therapist or a counselor is somebody who is a third par party arbiter of sorts, like somebody who just asks questions, right? And they ask you questions 
so that you can be able to uncover things that you may not have been thinking about before. You see, they're not there to give you advice. They're not there to judge. They're not there to, um, you know, put out information that, you know, may not be uh, in accordance to, to the way that you live, but more so all they do is ask you questions so that they can get to the, so that you can get to the root of your issues and then you can be able to uh, create a solution for them. You know, it's very important that, you know, at least therapy and counseling, um, you know, gets a, a, a better uh, viewpoint in our society because, um, you know, people think, uh, oh, you're, you're telling our, our, you know, all, all of our dirty laundry, all of our family things to somebody who you don't even know and things like that. Well, you know, as you can see it, there are some children who don't want to even talk to their parents and they would rather talk to somebody that their parents don't know. So it's better to have a controlled environment where they're also HIPAA compliant, where they can't even tell people, just like your doctors, they can't tell your medical records to anybody else. So it's, it, I just wanted to clarify that so that you know, people can understand more about what, um, what, what we discussed earlier. Um, and I, I want to share a story. I mean, all of these things are very real. I, I, I really hope that you all have been able to take from this conversation um, that there, there are many things that are attacking our generation right now. Um, there's no time in humanity at this point that the emphasis on our minds have been so much like this. Um, our sen the sensory things of this world have heightened and there's so much more to fight to grab our attention. You know, the things that we watch, the things that we listen to, smell, taste, feel, all of these things affect our mental health as a person. And in previous generations, it took more to send across a message that can affect a person's emotions and their desires and their motives. But now all we have to do is turn on the TV or scroll through social media and already have you know, issues coming up left and right. All of these tools were created to help and create opportunities, which they have. So I'm not saying that these things are uh, inherently the problem, but the root of the problem lies with our relationships with these things. Um, you know, everything that all of our panelists have spoken about are very real. Um, three months ago, I had a very dear friend of mine for about of, of nine years uh, commit suicide. And almost every single thing that Crystal, Chiamaka, and Olufe have mentioned were things that she indicated that she was struggling with. Maybe, you know, there, there, there were things that she obviously didn't tell, you know, her friends, the things that she was battling inside of herself, but these things are very real. And when you think about our generation as it stands now, this is one of the, I would say material, uh, uh, 
materially one of the richest generations you know ever because we no longer have to think about the basic necessities but more so we have more time to think you know that's why our jobs now have us in front of zoom eight to ten hours a day and we're not we're not moving a muscle we just have to stand sit in front of a computer send emails all of these things so there's just more time to think and have more time in your mind and that's the very thing that the the devil is using to attack us in our generation because he knows that we're no longer thinking about you know certain things that are are um there are just certain things we don't think about. We don't think we, we, we don't think about like shelter, food, getting like all, all of these things have already been accomplished. Thank uh, and in thanks to all of our parents who are listening to the call today. But it also brings forth another trial and tribulation of understanding that now our minds are more vulnerable, especially given these tools that have been, you know, have been created. So I, I really thank you all for, for joining us. Um, we really just wanted to drive home the, the importance of empathy. Things, uh, things happen you know, below the surface, um, creating the environment of openness so that our children, like, we can be able to talk to you. Um, there's nothing wrong with seeking professional help when, it, when it's warranted. Um, showing grace on both sides, us sitting on the, on the panel, we, we take accountability for our lives. And that's what we hope all youths are doing so as well. And then also showing grace to our parents and vice versa. And then sharing our experiences. So um, I want to thank you all for, for joining us. Dr. Happiness, do you have any, anything else to, to, to share? Thank you all. And, um, you know, I just want to explain to all our parents, our guardians, I know I told them that we have to make this lively. So I don't think it's not a finger pointing uh, um, or any accusatory thing. It doesn't, um, they have to respect us. They have to honor their parents. And it doesn't exonerate any of our young adults, our youths of their responsibility or the consequences of whatever is going on. So I want to reassure everybody. Unfortunately, English is their first language and it's not our first language. Certain English they speak comes to us as if um, it sounds somehow because ours is different. But I can assure each and every one of you, I know the way they were saying correction and all those things, that is their first language. So they're just expressing their, themselves. And I think that's what is causing a little problem at homes because when they speak those English to us, we're not used to it. So it kind of makes us feel as if, you know, they're insulting, it, but, uh, insulting us. But I can assure you that they mean well. And again, I think it's a privilege that our children actually wants to talk to us. I think it's something that we have to think about. They want a relationship with us. 
you know, instead of going to another child, a, a blind man cannot lead a blind man. So they, we should please check and open up. You know, we can all make, I told them, it's going to be a snail change. We're all going to change, all of them, including us. So when they're asking us to make some changes, we've already discussed it. I've already discussed it with them that we need that from them too. So I think because they're talking to you guys, that you're not talking to them, but they too know that changes, you know, is both ways. Okay, so I want to reassure everybody that it doesn't replace honor. It doesn't take away respect from them. We're their parents. They will respect us. They will honor us. Okay, guys. So thank you so much. Please give it up to them. Hope, um, by God's grace, we're going to continue on the 15th. And then that will be the another four um, speakers, another four people will speak. So they have a different topic altogether. I know we mentioned problems, but they'll be speaking on the solutions as well and what the word of God said concerning this um, topic. So we know that we are his children and for us in, in Christ, we have his spirit, we have his mind and we have his presence. So we know what the word of God says. So we're gonna share the word of God. We just wanna share the problems first so that by the time, by the 15th, parents, please have an opportunity to allow your kids to speak to you and see whether these things are happening. So hopefully we are in it together. We're going to fight together and we're going to win. A healthy and um, a family is good. And that's what we're trying to um, discuss so that we can all have a healthy and a unified family. Thank you so much. And um, that's it. We're done for the day. Pastor. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. If you are blessed, I want I want you to wave your hand. If you are blessed, can you please wave your hands? Yeah, Brother Chris, is there any announcement before I pray? Brother Chris Onyechi. Brother Chris. Brother Chris, are you there? Yes, I'm here. The okay, announcement would be that. Every Thursday, 7.30, we're gonna be doing this. The next topic will be apology and, and forgiveness for the next Thursday. Adults. Adults. Yes, adults. No, no, everyone, everyone. For everyone, everyone. yeah. Also, uh... Okay. Yes, also, um, everyone is able to either join to the YouTube, through the website, um, but also through Zoom as well. So we have three different platforms that you can join. But if people wanted to contribute or ask questions going forward, like next week, people will be able to have a chance to ask questions or uh, input their contributions. So that person will need to come on Zoom to be able to do that. I, I, I believe a whole lot of people are watching it via YouTube and um, via the website. Thank you. Praise the Lord. 
Okay, we have come to the end of uh, today's uh, this topic and discussion. So thank you to everybody. Thank you to the panelists. Thank you, uh, Dr. Happiness. Thank you for all your team members. Pastor, there's an announcement video. Yes. They say there's an announcement video. Okay. Go ahead. We can't hear anything. It's playing on the stream. I say it's playing on the stream. I think it's playing on YouTube. Oh. Okay, and yes, YouTube and the church website. It ended. Okay, it, it said it ended. Okay, in Jesus' name. I appreciate that we are grateful for what you have learned today through our children. Father, we pray, Lord, that you help us to get it right. Because all we're trying to do is to lead them to the right direction. Help us to love them. Help us to show them love. Help us to put all these things, Father, that have shared with us into practice so that our relationship with them <clears throat> will be very cordial, that you have good relationship, well-established relationship. We thank you, mighty God, as we continue in this uh, family month for all the topics, Father, we have prepared for everyone that will be sharing. Father, we thank you. And we pray, Lord, Father, that you continue, Lord, Father, to Give us more and more wisdom, more and more understanding. Thank you for everyone that has tuned in. Father, we pray, Lord, that next time as we come together to listen, Father, we will be more blessed each day, every one of us, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, and we'll give all the praise. To you be all the glory, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. May we share the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, 
and faithfully fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Okay.